Welcome to the Fern Podcast, As the Season Turns. Released on the first of the month, each episode will be following the changing landscape of the seasons, from the moon and the stars to the tides and the trees. I'm Leah Landers, author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide, and this podcast is created by Fern, makers of small-batch organic perfume who blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you to settle deeper into the seasons. It's February. February is an ascetic little month. Cold, short and dark, many of its rituals... Emulk, Candlemas, often Lent, though not this year, revolve around absence, purging and fasting. Its birthstone, Amethyst, symbolises piety and humility. Even the name February comes from Februm, Latin for purification. The root, Februo, meaning I purify by sacrifice. Fun old February. In all of this, it can feel like a month of self-denial, and of suspension of activity, a time to tuck up indoors and wait for warmer days, a pause for contemplation before the hustle and renewal of the next few months. But look, and you will see sure signs that nothing stands still, even, or perhaps especially, in February. In the far north of the country, the day lengthens by a full two hours by the end of the month, and everywhere there are little signs of life returning, Unable to resist the turning of the year, even when breath is cloudy and ground solid. And as light returns, so does the urge to sow and to grow, to start off the year's cycles and to engage with the still weak but strengthening sun. The temptation to hibernate may still be strong, but by the end of the month, a spring-like hopefulness will start to win out. The Oak Tree in February There is an oak tree in my local park that I had a hand in planting several years ago now. Each time I pass it, I note something new, the turn of a branch towards the light or a creature that has taken up residence. In the depths of February, much the same as for anyone else living in these northerly isles, every cell in my oak is hell-bent on just one thing, keeping warm. Even in the southern counties of Britain, Temperatures in February can fall to well below freezing, and as it would be a disaster for its heartwood to freeze through, the oak has evolved a sophisticated defence system against the cold. The tree's gnarly bark is its first line of defence, but in very cold temperatures the bark is not enough. So back in the autumn, the tree, sensing the weather turning, withdrew the water from its outer cells. This left a high concentration of sugars, which work like antifreeze, preventing the cold from penetrating to the core of the oak. Winter flocks of blue tits often take refuge in oak trees, flashing gold and sky blue among the branches. Winter is hard on these small birds, who may lose up to 5% of their body mass in a single night. Leave your nest boxes out for them. Where they cannot find an oak tree, a nest box will do just fine for a roost. And keep your bird feeders stocked with nutritious fat balls and seeds, 
your bird bath filled with clean, unfrozen water. Bird of the Month, Thrush. Thrushes are good singers, and blackbirds, which are a species of thrush, start singing their rich and mellow songs early in the year. Here are three you might see in your garden. The most familiar and common of the thrushes, blackbirds sing between February and June, perched on prominent songposts. They are wonderful singers, in a family famed for it, their song arriving in languid and flute-like bursts of six seconds or so, with pauses of a similar length in between. It is the youngest males, those hatched the year before, that start singing earliest in the year, with older males joining in later, all staking out their territories. Once the dawn chorus really gets going later in the spring, blackbirds are generally the earliest risers and the first to start singing each morning. Males are of course black with a yellow bill and females are brown. Missile thrushes start singing even earlier in the year, generally from December onwards. They perch at the top of tall trees and will often sing in very windy conditions, which has earned them the alternative common name stormcock. They are larger than blackbirds, with a greyish-brown head and back, and a well-speckled underside. In flight, they have a pure white underwing. Song thrushes are similar in colouring and markings to the missile thrush, but they are smaller birds and coloured a warmer brown and are more delicately speckled on their undersides. If you find a stone surrounded by lots of smashed snail shells, this indicates the presence of a song thrush, as they are the only birds that use an anvil to remove snails from their shells. Their song is a phrase of a few syllables repeated two to four times. Inside the beehive in February. February can be very cold, and in these conditions the colony is still using all of its energy to keep warm and stay alive. But there are a few flowers out now, and in mild winters the bees will start to make brief forays to visit snowdrops and crocuses in sunny spots, and to collect some early pollen, before quickly returning to the warmth of the hive. They also use these short, early flights to clean themselves after a winter indoors. In mild winters, the queen may lay a few eggs in February to get ahead, but the larvae must be kept warm in the very centre of the cluster. Immolk and Candlemas Scratch the surface of many traditional celebrations and you often find that they are amalgams of Christian and older feast days, often with thematic echoes. The beginning of February sees the old pagan and Gaelic celebration of Imolc on the 1st and the Christian feast day of Candlemas on the 2nd, with both connected to purity, cleansing and hope. They fall roughly halfway between the shortest day and the spring equinox. Imolk has seen something of a revival recently among modern Wiccans and neo-pagans, 
and it provides a good marker for stopping and taking notice that winter is waning. Imolk's ritual cleansing was a sort of agricultural preparation. Peasants would carry burning torches across farmland to purify the land prior to new planting and to symbolise the ever-increasing strength of the sun. The celebration marks a stirring into life after winter. The word imolk may derive from the Old Irish imolk, meaning in the belly, or wimolk, meaning use milk. Both references to the importance of the arrival of sheep's milk into the diet at this time of year. Candlemas is the Christian festival of light and celebrates Jesus' life as a baby and the ritual purification of Mary 40 days after his birth. Lumen ad revolutionum gentium, a light to lighten the darkness of the world, as goes the canticle traditionally sung at the beginning of the Candlemas service. There is a candle-lit procession and candles are brought into church to be blessed. Snowdrops, natural symbols of hope and purity, have a tentative link to both festivals. They were once commonly known as Candlemas bells, and it was considered unlucky to bring them into the house before Candlemas. Galanthus nivalis is the snowdrop's Latin name, and Galanthus is derived from the Greek words gala, milk, and anthos, flower. In season in February, wild greens, chickweed, hairy bittercress, dandelion leaves, sow thistle, wintercress, roots, wild garlic, from the seashore and rivers, mussels, oysters, scallops, turbot, cockles, lemon sole, bass, bream, cod, whiting, haddock. From the vegetable garden, purple sprouting broccoli, carrots, Brussels sprouts, turnips, beetroot, spinach, Jerusalem artichoke, kale, chard, lettuce, chicory and endive, cauliflower, cabbages, celeriac, swede, leeks, turnips and forced rhubarb. Winter savoury, parsley, chervil, coriander, rosemary, bay and sage. From the farms, Stilton, and traditional imports, Seville oranges and blood oranges. Garden job of the month, plant bulbs in the green. Bulbs from moist woodland habitats such as snowdrops, winter aconites and bluebells can struggle if treated like normal bulbs, that is, dried out, stored dry and replanted in autumn. Instead, they should be planted while still in active growth and just after flowering. And for snowdrops and winter aconites, that means now, or at least at the end of the month. Look for specialist nurseries that offer them in this state for happier bulbs and more flowers. This month's full moon falls on the 16th. Some names for February's full moon. Snow Moon, Ice Moon, Storm Moon. Even if there is not enough snow to justify the medieval moon name Snow Moon this month, the full moon on the 16th will light up snowy expanses across meadows, 
woodlands and riverbanks as snowdrop time reaches its peak. Snowdrops began popping their heads out of the cold ground in January, proving that even though the ground is still bare and hard with frost, spring is straining at the bit. The names Ice Moon and Storm Moon also hint at an understandable preoccupation with this month's weather in the past, when heating meant a few logs on the fire to fend off the deep chill of February. The nights are still long and dark, and there are likely to be hard frosts, a wonderful time for spotting constellations if you can stand the cold. But nights are noticeably shortening as spring draws nearer and the days start to lengthen. On the 2nd of February there will be a close approach of Jupiter and the Moon, first appearing in the dusk at around 5.20pm above the southwestern horizon at an altitude of 9 degrees. They will set in the west-southwest at 6.20pm. Messier 41, an open star cluster of 100 or more stars, is located in Canis Major, near to Sirius, the brightest star in the sky. Look to the south on February evenings, and once you find Sirius the dog star, look just a little south of it for Messier 41, a blurry patch of light about the size of a full moon. It is at an apparent magnitude of 4.5. Higher magnitudes are fainter, and lower magnitudes are brighter, and the human eye can only see objects with a magnitude lower than 5, so Messier 41 is fairly faint in the sky. You will need a really dark country sky and clear weather, and perhaps a pair of binoculars. What you will see then is a rich patch of both faint and bright stars, some of them red giants with an orange glow, and some of them white dwarfs, which are more silvery blue in colour. The cluster lies about 2,300 light-years away from Earth, and is estimated to be moving away from us at 23.3 kilometres per second. Winter Rainbows To spot a rainbow, all you need is sunshine and showers. You're back to the sun and the rainstorm ahead of you. The effect is created when thousands of raindrops refract white light into the full spectrum. Bold, bright, colourful rainbows mean big raindrops. They can be easier to spot in autumn, winter and spring because of the angle of the sun. The lower the sun is to the horizon, the more of the rainbow we see, and there is no possibility of a sighting once the sun is above 42 degrees above the horizon. High summer suns towards the middle of the day bring arcs so shallow they are lost along or below the horizon, while low winter suns bring dramatically arched arcs. During the course of February, day length increases by 2 hours and 7 minutes, to 10 hours 31 minutes in Inverness, and by 1 hour and 36 minutes to 10 hours and 52 minutes in Padstow. Pilgrimage of the Month Bridget's Way for St Bridget's Day The first day of February is St Bridget's Day, a day of two women, one goddess and one saint, one from Ireland's pagan past and one from its Christian past. The goddess Bridget was one of the Tour de Denan, 
Ireland's mythical ancient race of gods. She was a healer, a poet, and a smith, and is associated with spring, wells, and fertility. She is also strongly associated with Imolc, the Gaelic festival marking the end of winter and the beginning of early spring. Bridget's Christian counterpart, St. Bridget of Kildare, who was born in the 5th century and shares many of the same attributes, is one of the three patron saints of Ireland, along with Patrick and Columba. Her own feast day falls on the same day as Imolc. Have their identities merged over the centuries, or were they always, as some would have it, one and the same? It has been argued that Christian monks may have taken the goddess's attributes and grafted on the name of the saint in order to make use of the cult of Brigid in spreading the new religion through Ireland. Either way, many people are now ready to turn back and embrace both aspects of Brigid, and this has led to the creation of a new pilgrimage based on ancient pilgrim paths and wells, Brigid's Way. It begins at Brigid's birthplace and finishes in Kildare Town, where Brigid founded a monastery. The 146-kilometre route takes in holy wells dedicated to Brigid, as well as the Hill of Slain, the Hill of Tara, and Brigid's Fire Temple, where nuns kept a flame burning until the suppression of the monasteries in the 16th century, and where the tradition was resurrected by the Brigidine sisters in 1993. The ancient sites form a cross in the landscape, echoing the shape of St. Brigid's Cross, an offset cross that is woven from rushes and placed over doorways and windows to protect against harm. Our ritual for this month is a very simple little action to help bring warmth and light to the beginning and end of these cold and dark February days. It also echoes the candle blessing and burning of Candlemas and the carrying of burning torches through fields that was once traditional at this time of year. I love to light a candle at breakfast time through winter. It brings a touch of luxury to an otherwise austere and dark moment and brings light when there is none. Unless you get up particularly early, this is the last month in which this will be possible. And so I encourage you to bookend your day with candles for February. Light one as you sit and eat your breakfast and blow it out when the sun comes up or when you're ready to leave the house or begin work. And then do the same in the evening. Light a candle for dinner time and then keep it lit until you go to bed, blowing it out just before you sleep. It's company if you live alone and it's something to gather around if you don't. And a candle flame is one of the simplest ways of giving even the most ordinary moment a sense of occasion. It connects to something old and deep. It helps mark out your day and gives you a moment for stillness and beauty. And there is never enough of that. In the Fern Studio This month, in Fern's Somerset Studio, the very first bottles of Spring 22 are being decanted as the fragrance's vital maceration period comes to an end. Since November, 
It's been barrel aging in the West Country, and now is the moment when the whole process comes to fruition. A very exciting time. For spring 22, you can expect juicy notes of elderflower, gooseberry and orange blossom against a fresh palette of green and light florals. Spring 22 was created, as are all fern fragrances, by Elodie Durand and Francois Robert. Francois is a fourth-generation master perfumer, while Elodie, his protégé, is a formidable young talent. You can learn more about their processes and remarkable history on the Fern website. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. You can read more about the year ahead in my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2022, also available as an audiobook. This podcast has been created by Fern. Fern is an organic fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co.